Psalm 92, these are the words of God. A psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. It is good to give thanks to Yahweh and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night on an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, an harmonious sound. For you, Yahweh, have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the works of your hands. O Yahweh, how great are your works. Your thoughts are very deep. A senseless man does not know, nor does a fool understand this. When the wicked spring up like grass and all the workers of iniquity flourish, it is that they may be destroyed forever. But you, Yahweh, are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies, so Yahweh, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn, you have exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. My eye also has seen my desire on my enemies. My ears hear my desire on the wicked who rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of Yahweh shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. It shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that Yahweh is upright He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. So far, the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. If you note the superscript, which is the first verse in the Hebrew, a psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. And of course, God gave the Sabbath as the crown of all of creation, the last thing he made was not the heavens and the earth and all that was in them, but a day in which we would set aside all that is in the creation in the knowledge and recognition and joy that there is more in the creator than in all the creation put together. That the rest of the creation is not our purpose that he is our purpose. That what comes from the creation is not our power, that he is our power. And that what we find in the creation is not our pleasure, that he is our pleasure. And so this song for the Sabbath is a song that reminds us that the whole day is about delighting in him. It uses um, this mirrorism, you know, the the Hebrew poetic technique of using bookends uh, to mean not just the front, uh, the beginning and the end, but everything in between. And you see a double mirrorism in verse 2, where uh, God often uses his steadfast love and his faithfulness, his chesed and emmet, 
uh, as uh, bookends by which he refers to all of his perfect character, uh, all of the glory of who he is, what he is like. Uh, and he matches that uh, couple or couplet up with uh, morning and night or morning and evening in our case, but here morning and night even more extreme, that the whole day is about worshiping God for the whole of who he is and depending upon God for the whole of who he is and delighting in God for the whole of who he is and especially doing so as the people whom God has redeemed for himself into his church for the purpose of public worship. And that's, uh, that's the doctrine of verse 3, which is not just saying we should have pretty accompaniment when we do the verse 2 worship. No, the instrument of ten strings and the lute and the harp and the harmonious sound uh, being those priestly instruments uh, that were set apart and designed by David in anticipation of the temple uh, to be employed by the priestly tribe that was designated by David the king, the covenant mediator, also in his function as a prophet under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, the priestly tribe of musicians, again as part of his provision uh, for the temple, recognizing that in the formation of the temple there is a growing anticipation, not of David and his temple, but of the greater David and his greater temple, that Jesus is gathering and forming a church for the public worship of God for all eternity. And so it's not, it's not enough to keep Sabbath privately, praising God's steadfast love and faithfulness from morning to night. His design is for corporate worship morning and evening. And uh, even in the worship that he gave uh, in the six days that preceded the creation of the Sabbath, establishing the pattern of a morning and evening in which the work are, uh, is not done. There's an evening and a morning, and then there's work, and there's an evening and a morning, and then there's work. And then reestablishing that pattern in the morning and evening sacrifices of the nation uh, of Israel and, uh, and reinforcing that pattern and telling the the households of his church to worship him when they lie down and when they rise up. So also on the Lord's Day, which he calls a holy convocation, a holy calling together, con together, vocation calling, a holy convocation, uh, God has established for us in Scripture the pattern of gathering for public worship, morning and evening. Uh, so the whole of the day, worshiping the whole of God's glory uh, among uh, the whole of God's people, which, of course, until Jesus takes his seat on the throne of glory, you can't actually do. Um, but now we are led in worship from heaven, and the one by whom he leads us on earth is his spirit, who is not only in every congregation, but actually has come to dwell in the heart of every Christian. 
And he is the one who causes us to offer as spiritual sacrifices the uh, believing hearing uh, of his word read and preached, the singing with grace in the heart, the praying in the spirit, um, offering uh, spiritual sacrifice uh, unto God. So the Sabbath is for public worship morning and evening. And it should be worship that is glad. Uh, yes, it's extremely important. Uh, it's a difference we heard in Leviticus 10. It's a difference between heaven and hell to worship in the way uh, that God has commanded to come to him only in the way that he has uh, that he has commanded. But just worshiping with the right actions does not fulfill the whole of what right worship is. Because there's more than right actions, there's right emotions. To hear some people talk about it, and even worse, to hear some people try to practice it, you would think that emotions were wrong in the public worship. It's not that emotions are wrong, it's that emotions are not themselves the point, and that emotions are not in the driver's seat, that there are right and proper emotions in public worship. And so verse 4, You, Yahweh, have made me glad through your works. So we worship him with gladness uh, over what he has done, because what he has done has displayed to us the greatness of who he is. So he he works from observing God's works to thinking about God's thoughts. Uh, and in this consideration of what God has done, he considers God as a person, and that has made a difference, not just in how the worshiper thinks, but in how the worshiper is, how the worshiper feels. He has been made glad. You, Yahweh, have made me glad through your works. I will triumph in the works of your hands. O oh, Yahweh, how great are your works. Your thoughts are very deep. This is important. It is to be glad worship uh, when he addresses us uh, about different things. We are to have right responses of emotions, uh, but they're not just emotional responses within ourselves. They need to be interactions between your soul and God. Not just the worship has made me glad. Not even just Yahweh has made me glad. But you Yahweh have made me glad that you would interact with God himself in the worship that he uh, is the one who gladdens you by the truth of what he has done which holds before you the even greater truth of who he is that he would be the one who afflicts you uh, when your conscience is pricked and you realize your sin that he would be the one who comforts you in that affliction. So, so it's you, Yahweh, have made me glad. You, Yahweh, have broken my heart about my sin. You, Yahweh, have comforted me with your forgiveness and the gospel of your Son. You, Yahweh, have strengthened me, have renewed me in my commitment to you, so that you have this second person, this personal interaction with God, in the actions of the worship that he has commanded to bring you 
to interact with him himself. Uh, and so there is uh, triumph then at belonging to him. If all of creation is about the Lord, and if especially uh, the Lord's day is about the Lord, and if especially the Lord's public worship for which he has made the Lord's day is about the Lord, uh, then it makes sense in verses, well, really the rest of uh, the rest of the psalm, that the Lord is the one who makes the great difference. There are those who are Lord's <coughs> enemies, and if everything is about the Lord, then what are the Lord's enemies there for? To be rightly and justly destroyed as his enemies. But if everything is about the Lord, then what are the Lord's friends there for? What are the Lord's redeemed there for? To delight in him, and despite every other disadvantage, to be alive and strong and glad in him. And so that's what we see in the rest of the psalm. A senseless man does not know, nor does a fool understand this. When the wicked spring up like grass and all the workers of iniquity flourish, is it a problem that there are evil? That there is such a thing as evil? That there are so, uh, evil ones and that there are so many of them? Well, it's only a problem if they are not going to be judged and punished if the glory of the Lord isn't going to be expressed against them. He says, when the wicked spring up like grass and when all the workers of iniquity flourish, it is that they may be destroyed forever, but you, Yahweh, are in high forevermore. For behold, your enemies, O Yahweh, behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. And so unanswered evil would be a problem. But that actually doesn't exist, does it? There is no such thing as unanswered evil. And so there is no problem of evil. Now, there would be a problem of good. How can God be merciful to such sinners as we are? Except that he is redeeming sinners to join them to himself. And so goodness or kindness that is not earned by Christ for the sake of his people, that would be a problem. And that's actually the problem that is resolved or the display of which is resolved when Jesus comes and dies on the cross as Romans 3 says, that at that point when Jesus is displayed as a propitiation, that God is declared to be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ Jesus. It's never a problem to say, how can there be evil? Because we know that God is destroying the evil. The problem was, how could God justify a sinner? How could God be merciful to a sinner? How can God enter into covenant with someone who is a sinner? And the answer ends up being, because Jesus Christ is going to propitiate their sins. And so... Uh, not only do we know the, the purpose of the wicked, but we also know the purpose of the righteous. And so united to the Lord and joined to God are those who are his by faith in Jesus Christ, that that which belongs to the Lord, the destruction of his enemies, uh, in, uh, in verses 8 and 9, comes to belong to the Lord's people, the destruction of their enemies. There's a parallel between verse 8 and 9 
your enemies shall perish, and the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. And verses 10 and 11. My horn you have exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. My eye has looked upon my enemies. My ear has heard the wicked. Uh, and the the interpretation of the translation is getting at the sense of it. My eye has seen my desire on my enemies. My ears hear my desire on the wicked. Or even my eyes see that which is right to come upon them. And my ears hear that which is right to come upon the wicked who rise up against me. And of course, verses 10 and 11 apply to the righteous, particularly in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is in the voice and in the mind and uh, according to the place of Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah, verse 10. And so we're so united to the Lord that he destroys not just his enemies, but ours in Jesus, Christ's enemies. But what does he do for us? Verses 12 through 15. Even in old age, we grow like cedars. We flourish in his courts, particularly again in his public worship. Even in old age, we'll bear fruit and be flesh and flourishing. Why? So that it can be seen that not just creation, but redemption was also all about God. He's upright. He's done the right thing with his enemies. He's done the right thing with his friends. And they get life from him that does not need anything else in the creation. Even when they are in the season of weakness and illness, still they have him. He is my rock. To declare that Yahweh is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. So this is what the Sabbath is for. To remember that creation, redemption, history, it's all about who God is. And it's all about worshiping him uh, for all of who he is for the whole of the day. And the Sabbath is all about uh, doing so as his redeemed people, whom he's gathered to himself to display his glory, not just in destruction, as he does on his enemies, but in salvation, as he does on those whom he is redeeming. Oh Lord, please help us by your spirit, because we are repeatedly, perpetually, grievously forgetful that our existence and our redemption are all about you and your glory. And this is the source of uh, much weakness and much sin in our life, O oh God. And so we pray that you would help us keep Lord's Days well in the public worship to interact with you and even in these family worship times to interact with you. But, O oh Lord, we, we also pray that the reality that you bring home to us on those occasions, the truth that you bring home to us when we study things like this from your word, that the truth of that reality uh, would continue to be impressed upon our hearts throughout the ordinary course of our life so that we would more and more do our work and everything else we do in the in-between times with the sense that we exist for your glory and have been redeemed for your glory and have a life and joy and strength and fruitfulness that is dependent entirely upon you, whatever other means you might use, but that it comes from you. So make us to live uh, in that gladness and in that strength, we ask, 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.